Wide Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. Welcome back to the Owl Chat Podcast Men's Basketball Post Game Show. We are here to recap um, the Owls' loss to UNF on Thursday and the Owls' victory over Jacksonville on Saturday. And it is also episode number 50 here at the podcast. So, you know, shout out to all of those who have been here since day one. We know there's a, a couple of you guys out there, um, you know, big things coming down the line. But um, I'm joined here, as always, by my co-host and partner, Mr. John Finer, uh, John Michael Nickerson, former Owls guard and producer Nick. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Man, I'm doing good. And I'm, I'm, I'm pumped that we're on 50 episodes. I can't believe, you know, we've been doing it that long. And please, nobody listened to the first episode. It was so bad. Uh, so don't go back in the archives, I beg you. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, not the not the greatest uh, week, but you know, I'll take the split and they'll take the momentum off winning the second game. So we have a lot to correct and we have a lot to talk about. So absolutely, J Mac, how you doing tonight? Doing great, man. Pleasure to be here. Uh, I had a lot of fun last week with you guys, man. You guys, those those players are so lucky to have you guys' interest and in, in like giving the attention they deserve to the fans. And uh, I, I, I want to continue being a part of that. So I was like, dude, I, I would love to continue doing it with you guys. And I appreciate you guys uh, inviting me back. Yeah, man, we love having you back. Um, I do want to point out, the listeners aren't going to see this, but you're rocking the, uh, the IUPUI jacket. Um, this is their last year of D1 play, isn't it? Is it? I have no idea. I stopped keeping I, up with those dudes. Uh, I think the schools are divorcing, the Indiana half and the Purdue half. But, yeah, just a sad, sad moment for college basketball. I just wanted to point that out. But, but you know, Kai, my philosophy is free gear is free gear. Oh, uh, no, I think it makes it way cooler. Oh, oh, yeah. I still have a hoodie in my closet that I wore literally in high school. You know that old um, NFL equipment thing like Bill Belichick used to wear with the dark mm-hmm. gray hoodie? I have one with the Falcons in it. Like the sleeves are all torn up. And, you know, if, if the Falcons bring in Belichick, I don't care how ratty it is. I'm going to be wearing that, calling it my Belichick hoodie. I, I'm <laughs> pretty sure those guys are going to stay division one. They're just getting rid of the Purdue side and they're going to stick with the IU uh, undergraduate courses and stuff. They'll still stay in the horizon now. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes more sense. I was, I was disappointed because I saw somebody on the internet say that they were divorcing and both going D2, but um, I'm glad that's not the case. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, let's talk about, uh, North Florida first. Um, I'll go ahead and summarize for those who didn't watch. Um, so both teams came out of the gate on fire. Um, we found ourselves tied at 10, just three minutes into the game. Um, then after the first TV timeout, UNF really started to gain control, um, and went up as by as many as 13 in the first half. Um, the last few minutes of the, of the first half, Cottle and Holt had a couple of shots to uh, kind of close the gap and brought us back to 38 to 35 going into the locker room. And then throughout most of the second half, uh, UNF maintained at least a two possession lead. I think the last time it was within one possession, it was like 43, 41, um, and kind of just coasted their way to an 84 to 75 win. Uh, Cottle led the way for the Owls, um, with 25 points on an efficient 11 of 21 shooting. Um, John, we'll start with you. Initial thoughts, comments, concerns. Yeah, uh, I think we have a lot of concerns, um, you know, that picked up in the UNF game. And then they kind of went towards the JU game, but we got the win, you know, and wins mask a lot of, you know, negativity or bad stuff. It's a lot easier to, you know, talk about it after a win. But, you know, I thought UNF exploited us a bit, uh, you know, our uh, defense, 
they we mentioned how they didn't have a lot of size. Well, you know, we weren't taking advantage of our size. They were playing, I think, a zone. And, you know, Robinson wasn't making too much of a difference inside, if I recall. But they were taking advantage of him off the dribble. Um, you know, we were closing out way too hard at times. Um, you know, we were a little bit late and then they just dribbled right by us and just they had us on our on our heels the whole time. And, you know, we had one good run towards the end of the first half. It was like a 10-0 run, mostly with, you know, Holt Gordon, Quincy Cottle, and RJ. Other than that, man, I, it was just a struggle. Like, the whole second half was was just frustrating for me because we, we kept, you know, if we're down 11, who cares? Okay, we'll bring it back within, you know, three, four, five, six, within like 45 seconds, but we just couldn't get over the hump. And that was frustrating. I think we had it down to three once towards the end at one point, but it was mostly four or five and we were just so close. And I feel like, you know, we didn't play well at, at all at times, but if this game was in Kennesaw, I think we would have taken it. Um, but yeah, Simeon Cotto was, you know, just tremendous. And, you know, uh, yeah, J-Mac, what are your thoughts? Um, I thought... The first half was something I went back to uh, to the Stetson game. I talked about uh, Kennesaw's got to clean up their zone offense. They were taking quick shots against Stetson. And it was something I was like, hey, they better clean this up. They're going to see more of it. And that was, if you go back and watch it, J, um, I'm sorry, North Florida, they really they really spread, spread out the lead because we could not score against their zone. They went on a big run. Uh, we just we just didn't do very well against it in the first half. They were much better at it in the second half and especially against uh, J.U., who we'll obviously talk about later on. But that first half, the, the zone offense was not very effective. And, and uh, we, we obviously closed the half off with a good run and it started with our defense and we got out in transition and scored. Um, but what you don't want to do is those when you get when you get big leagues, it takes so much energy and focus and concentration to come back. It's almost like you don't have it. You, you can lose energy just to continue going back and forth. You know what I'm saying? And um, uh, but obviously the first half also, um, regardless of whatever was going on with sickness or illness, TB and Demon, your your two primary players, they were non-existent. They were not, not they were not effective in that first half in 20 minutes. And that one of them can have a bad a bad stretch, but both of them cannot. Uh, that that's crucial. But at the same time, uh, the if you look at this, if you look at the box score, the name of the game was uh, obviously you got to defend the three point line, and if you don't defend the three point line, you definitely can't give up a, a high percentage from two. And Kennesaw's defense was not good uh, from the two or the three. I think uh, North Florida shot fifty eight percent from two, and they shot really effective from three as well, over fifty percent, I believe. Um, and uh, you, you can't have both; you can't do both and win at North Florida. Right. Well said, both of you guys. Um, and both Robinson and Burden played less than 20 minutes, which makes a bit in, big impact. But when they were on the floor, I thought North Florida did a pretty good job on both of them. I mean, we thought that the leg up that we were going to have was Robinson, and they were going to have a guy who could match up with him in the paint, you know. Um, and, yeah, they did a good job when he was in. Obviously, you know, they're battling illnesses, so um, they weren't 100%. And this wasn't well, – you know, Well, Burden was battling illnesses. We, right. we don't – we don't know about Robinson. Um, I think that might have just been a bad game, but you know, makes me think that Adam Akoya was not in the starting lineup. And I don't see like the strategical play here. I don't see Petway being like, "All right, Jamel, you did good. Let me just reward you and just randomly throw you in the lineup." You know, one game makes me. And Adam Akoya was what, like maybe less than twenty minutes in game one and twenty five in game two. 
you know, he had, usually, 20, he had 25 against UNF. Yeah. Usually you'd probably want him more towards that 30 end. You know what I mean? So I'm yeah. thinking Adam McCoy might've, you know, had a little bit of something as well. That's just me speculating. I don't know, but you know, burden was clearly, clearly taken out. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of felt like he's, you know, saved all of his energy for the last few minutes at JU. Mm-hmm. Um, so those ne- the negatives, they played 19 and 17 minutes, maybe the positives, you know, they had a little extra in the tank a couple of days later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely just some like awkward rotational moves and changes. I mean, Ranji Gordon, who had, you know, a poor night and we can say that because, you know, he more than made up for it against Jacksonville, um, between him and Demond Robinson, uh, they only played 25 minutes, you know, I mean, that's 15 minutes where you don't have a true big on the floor. Um, and obviously it's a matchup thing with the way North Florida plays, but that is something that we were hoping to exploit, you know, with their lack of size on defense, um, you know, attack them in the paint. And we just weren't really able to do that. Um, it was the worst defensive game we've played, I think, since FIU. It actually looked a lot like it to me. I mean, you mentioned us kind of biting too hard on some of those closeouts. It, 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 it just, like I said, the FIU game, it just reminded me so much of it. Just guys kind of flying around on the court, just lack of discipline. You know, somebody would get, beat on the perimeter and then just kind of give up on the play. And, you know, yeah. you'd have wide open looks in the paint. Um, and credit yeah. to North Florida too, Kai. They hit their shots. 100%. I mean, even when there were mild, uh, mild contests on those shots, you know? Right. 100%. And we'll talk about this more when we get into some conference talk later, but UNF is on. UNF is on right now. Uh, they're four and one in conference and, you know, the, they have kind of a, a streaky play style like you like to talk about, John, but um, so far so good, especially in conference play. Um, they're dangerous. They're a, they're a good team. Yeah, Chaz Lanier has really developed. Oh my God, he's got a handle. He's got a great yeah. handle. And and that was that was the huge difference in the game with with uh, Kennesaw's defense. They they not only can shoot, they have dudes that can go off the bounce too and attack the rim. And that's when it gets confusing for a defense when they're shooting the piss out of the ball from three. Now it stretches the defense out, and those now those dudes that can go off the bounce and like they can rock you, and they got a little wiggle, and they got some they got some game to them they can get downhill and get to the rim and now now the defense doesn't know do i stay hugged up and and give up the two or do i help and now my man, man may be open for three they, they got dudes they got a great roster and they run great actions it's almost like a run pass balance in football right where it's like okay if we if we open up this part of the offense right here and we swing the ball around and we get looks and we're hitting our shots you know like if you're successful you know, in the run game, then it's going to make a defense in football respect the run game. So if you're, you know, hitting your shots from deep in the perimeter, um, then you're going to get guys swinging out and over committing to these shots. And then you're going to get, you know, open looks at the rim. Um, so uh, well said, that was my assessment of it. And there's a reason Matthew Driscoll just became the A Suns all time winningest coach. I mean, you know, every year he doesn't really have the same team, but you know, this year it looks like he has some guys that can do more off the dribble perhaps than, you know, he has in the past. And at least in our game, I mean, they were getting some, you know, big time production from some guys that, you know, might not be usual contributors. So again, it might just be those guys are on and, you know, we didn't play that well and we kind of ran into a little bit of a mini buzzsaw right there. So it, it's cool. kind of crazy. The uh, the jump that Lanier's made this year, last year, he was averaging 4.7 points per game um, and started nine games this year. He's one of the best scorers in the conference. Man, well, Driscoll, I mean, when when they first became Division One, I, I was there and they were awful. They were they, they were the basement dweller, the A-Sun. It was almost a guaranteed sweep. And if you split with them, it was disappointing. And to get for Driscoll to get UNF to the level he's got it and like the way their style of play, it just speaks to his coaching, man. And uh, and one more thing about Kennesaw, I know I know 
you know, we didn't look good in stretches and stuff like that. But they, to, to be honest, there were three different times that I counted KSU had a crucial and a sloppy turnover when they were when they got it down between one or two possessions. They were right there, and it, it, it's it's positive. You don't obviously they lost, and you know there, you don't want to have any all the you know these moral victories or whatever. But they were within one or two possessions, not playing good basketball, and they were right there. So it says a lot to how, how the fight Kennesaw had, and you know what they're dealing with and stuff like that. They're a good team. Yeah, it was it was Cottle, I think, had a couple, maybe an RJ, too, were the guys that kind of, you know, turned it. And again, you can't be too bad because those guys are the same guys that, you know, probably help, you know, bring you back into it. So it's like, all right, what do you what do you want? You know, you can't I, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, criticize them too bad. Um, we need Terrell Burden to get healthy. That's what we need. Right. And, you know, Cottle um, had one of the best scoring nights of his career. He had 25 points and shot over 50 percent. Um, and at one point in the second half, he was kind of single-handedly keeping us in that game. I think when we went down 11, um, he had like seven straight. Um, he did. Yeah, he was he was phenomenal. Um, he's a legend. He's we'll a legend. talk about this when we get to Jacksonville, but, you know, he follows it up with another 20-point game. Um, and I think something that we've been wanting to see from Cottle is just a little bit more consistency um, with these, you know, types of shooting nights. It seems like he'll go for 26 and, you know, shoot 60% one night. And then the next night, you know, he'll go – two of nine, but he'll hit, he'll hit a big shot. So it's okay. And, you know, that's great. You know, his confidence is fantastic, but seeing him string these games together um, is what makes him, you know, a potential all conference player. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we let them shoot 52% overall in each half. Um, They hit 15 of 32 from three. I mean, we were nine of 25, the same, same result, both games this past weekend. And, you know, that's not going to cut it you know, for the amount of threes that we shoot, we have to either get more high percentage shots inside or start hitting our threes. Um, and I know, you know, Petway's brand of basketball is what it is, but then this again comes to, you know, are we a little bit handicapped right now? Cause we're trying to play Petway's brand of basketball, even though we might not have Petway's, you know, brand of shooting on the outside. And then we're kind of stuck in, you know, the stuck in the middle there. They were kind of just on They shot. I'm looking at it right now almost 47% from three, like, yeah, it, it's hard to answer those types of nights. Yeah. And, and, they, and they shot 58% from two, like, mm-hmm. like you can't get, you can't have it both. You get, you either got to defend the three point line and you're giving up the two or you're giving up the two or you're taking away the two and you're going to give up the three point line. It's, you can't, ha- you can't give it both. Not to a team like North Florida. Yeah. And you know, something else I noticed when we tried to play small ball, we went with Frank Juan Sherman inside. Um, I just don't, know if he's you know he played well at the beginning of the year but you know as the season has gone by I don't know if it you know I just don't think he's ready for those prime time minutes so I don't know if I don't know if we really had an option I mean do we go King or Holt at the five and just play ultimate small ball do we try to bring in Armani Harris who you know what do you think yeah I just want to say um I think a fully developed and seasoned Frank Juan Sherman would have been perfect for this game you know Um, he just you know earns that discipline on defense that he needs you know he stops committing the the cheap freshman fouls and you know he's able to stretch the floor and develop that shot a little bit I think he would have been a matchup nightmare I think he would have been perfect for this game he's a great long defender you know he would have been able to guard outside on the perimeter and also you know um you know bring some size so um but he's not there yet like you said um I I like Petway experimenting with it um but also it's a, it's a big conference game and one we lost. So um, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. What do you think, J-Mac? Uh, like, 
like I, I know Kennesaw's expectation. You you go in to win every game, right? But it it, it re, you're playing college basketball. It's unrealistic to think you're going to go on these road trips and win every game. Like as a coach, you're you're extremely grateful to split, and you're going up against the juggernaut of the A Sun, which is North Florida, like one of the juggernauts uh, in North Florida. And you don't play that great for long stretches, and you're still within striking distances. And when those sloppy turnovers happens, man. You're encouraged by that, and and you're and like a guy like Fraquan is getting he's getting valuable experience. I, I remember he had one bad gamble, and then the guy starts driving downhill, and I think Holt got a deflection out of bounds when the kid tried to kick it out to the corner. Like those are th- those are the discipline issues Fraquan's got to tighten up, and like that's what'll earn more trust with him and Petway. You know what I mean? So he's a, tighten up discipline. The speed of the game, I'm sure, is still really fast for him. It's not high school anymore. I mean, like you're playing the best one of the best teams in the A Sun. It's a lot going on for him. It's uh, it's, it's tough to yeah. see, but he'll get there. Yeah, one year from now, you know, if he had just 365 more days of experience, this is, like you said, Kai, this is the game for him, you know, have him play some small ball five, get some rebounds, uh, maybe hit some mid-range and maybe hit a three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, we it just wasn't there yet. And like, you know, J-Mac said, you know, it's tough to win, and it's even tougher to win on the road. So, you know, yep. we're not going to win every game. Heck, we're probably not going to go 15 and three like we were last year. That takes some, you know, that takes some talent and a little bit of luck as well. So, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see where we end up, but, you know, losing to JU, if we lost both of those, that would have probably, you know, been a shot to the heart, but, you know, we did what we had to do to win that second one. So. Right. And we said like, uh, we would be happy with a split uh, winning on the road in college basketball. You hear it all the time, but it's one of the hardest things to do in sports, um, no matter the level. Um, and we come home four and one, uh, still a game out of first place, um, still control our own destiny and all that. Obviously, like it's a little early to start looking at all of that. But before we move on to JU, um, let's just go around the room. I've got a feeling that it's going to be pretty unanimous once again. But um, player of the room or player of the game against UNF. John, we'll start with you. Simeon Cottle. Yeah, Cottle for sure, man. He scored it in bunches. He had takeover moments, man. Uh, he plays extremely confident. He's electric. Player game for sure. I'm going with Cottle too, but I think uh, King deserves a shout out. He had a nice game um, in the starting lineup. You know, we talked a little bit about uh, us questioning um, Adam McCoy being on the bench and King being in the starting lineup, but like his stat line was all right. So um, credit to him. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I have um, no problem with, you know, King starting. I just found it a little bit odd. You know what I mean? Like there is no real reason. Like, is it a matchup thing? Cause like they both, they're both like three and D type players. So it just right. a little bit curious to me. I, I feel like it had to be some kind of illness or something that we're missing. And, you know, I'm sure we'll find out eventually. I think at his best, Jamel King is probably a better perimeter defender than Adam McCoy is. So maybe that had something to do with it, but Adam McCoy um, is maybe the most consistent player both ways um, that I can see. Uh, that doesn't mean he's the best both ways, but you, you know what you're getting with Adam McCoy. Um, yeah. which is good, which is what you need. Um, and it looked like we kind of went for potential rather than consistency. Um, but they both played 25 minutes. Um, so, you know, it's whatever. Shout out to Quincy also, six to seven from the line. Absolutely. I, the free throw shooting has gotten so much better um, and it deserves to be talked about. Like you can tell that there was an emphasis on it. But yeah, uh, with that all being said, we'll move on to Jacksonville real quick. So once again, to summarize for those who couldn't watch, um, after a short turnaround, the Owls went across town to our favorite high school gym at Jacksonville University. Um, things were tight all the way through with neither team growing a lead larger than six at any point. Um, we saw 19 total lead changes, um, an even shooting battle, an even rebounding battle, and a pretty even turnover battle. Um, the halftime score 
uh, saw KSU trailing 37 to 32, which was, I think, Jacksonville's second largest lead of the game. I think they were up like 30 to 24 at one point as well. Um, but then second half is tight throughout. Late in the second half, under a minute to play, Ronji Gordon hits a putback or hits a putback layup to put the Owls up 80 to 79. Um, and then three missed looks by Jacksonville and a turnover later. Um, and then KSU had two trips to the line, gave us a 83 to 79 final score. Um, Cottle led the way again with 20 points, while Ronji Gordon had one of his best performances of the year off the bench, putting up 10 points to go along with six rebounds. So uh, we'll start with Jake Mack this time. What'd you think of uh, the Jacksonville game? The Jacksonville game, uh, Demon got off to a quick start. Unlike the uh, the North Florida game, that was good. He 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 was he had huge 50-50 wins. He hit that crazy shot uh, almost behind the backboard on the baseline. Um, it's important that they get him off to a good start because when you got an offense that they like to quick shoot quick threes and stuff like that, you have got to insert some presence in the paint, uh, and they they can't forget about him. So that was good. But uh, I think the 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 very first half was RJ. He he put up great quality minutes uh, at the point, and that was great great for him. I'm sure it's great for his confidence, and it's good for Pet knowing that he can he can throw in that backup point guard for a long stretch if when TV is under the weather and they can grind out a win. And the the thing that I was most impressed with uh, offensively was their zone offense was so much better. They were playing inside out. They were knifing the gaps with penetration. They were getting the ball in in the, uh, in the heart of the zone through the pass, and they were actually playing real zone offense where you're playing inside out instead of quick quick threes and stuff like that. They, I, And I thought the JU coach stayed in the zone way too long in the second half. Kennesaw was destroying it, and uh, it was defense optional for sure that entire second half. It was a fun game pace-wise, but not much defense. Yeah, and I have some observations I'd like to just kind of point out. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but was this the third game in a row, uh, you know, illness or not, that Burden did not score in the in the first half? Third game in a row. Now, chalk some of it up to illness. Chalk this one up, maybe you know, two two quick fouls and whatnot. But you know, is he being too deferential in the first half? You know, trying to get his teammates involved more. Or, you know, should he be a little bit more selfish to, you know, get himself, get some for him before he gets some for everyone else? Just a little bit. What do you think, J-Mac? Bird, he, yeah, I think he's got to get going. If he's playing 35 minutes or if he's playing 30 minutes, he he, he doesn't need to wait, man. Because I, 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 he's a he's their best passer, too. And he he's he's going to be their assist leader. So, He's he's got to make he's got to be aggressive from the jump in my opinion. Like I get you know doing easy ball reversals, letting guys touch it, but yeah, man, get get him in that high pick and roll, get him in those drag screens in transition, and let him get downhill and start spraying the ball. That's that's that they destroyed Jacksonville because they just let Demond go set a high ball screen and Burden just come off and he he destroyed him. He picked him apart, did whatever he wanted to do. Or Burden was fantastic to end it. So yeah, it it does kind of make sense. Um, for that to happen, not that it should be to the extent that it is, but, you know, you start and you want to establish things in the paint and, you know, Burden's way of scoring. There's a whole lot of, whole lot of isolation, a whole lot of high ball screens, like you said, um, and just, you know, him taking it to the rack himself, um, which is something we were scared. We weren't going to see a whole lot of early in the season because they were using him as more like a spot up shooter, kind of like uh, point guard, a point point guard B with Cottle earlier in the season. Um, but I'm with you guys. Uh, I, I would like to see more burden action in the first half. That is crazy to me that it's been three straight games that he has not scored in the first half. 
Um, and, you know, he finished with 20 against FGCU. So. Yeah. And here's another uh, little stat. Um, so Cottle, Burden, and Gordon were scoreless at halftime. And they combined for 38 points in the second half, which is almost half of our total. Um, I don't know how many points we scored in the second half uh, this game. I'm trying to pull it up right now. It looks Talking like Jacksonville? Uh, it's yeah, 51. 51. Yep. So they scored 38 out of 51. And they didn't score in the first half, which is somewhat incredible. And those were, you know, we're talking the players of the game here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know why that is. I, I don't have an answer. Um, I'm scratching my head trying to figure it out. But to be honest, I it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. And Cottle got banged up though in the first half. So he was out a bit and, you know, he was off rhythm on some of his shots and that's just a Simeon Cottle thing. You know, when he, he just needs to heat up as well, you know, burden could, uh, you know, burden was ill, that sort of thing. Um, I thought that uh, JU, you know, was getting some offensive rebounds early. You know, I got in my notes here, you know, Holt had a nice block, a nice pass from King to Robinson in uh, inside. I noticed also that we were having some trouble inbounding it uh, from underneath the basket. Uh, J Mac, did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, they were they were doing that old Bruce Pearl where they put they put you know they really put a, a big defender and they get real aggressive on the ball and then they're really being physical, taking away passing lanes. And uh, yeah, I saw that turnover too. It's sometimes it's tough to inbound the ball when you got uh when and and and, and those coaches are actively game planning that those plays and stuff like that. So in the scout. And they did a good job of trying to force those turnovers. And we yeah, needed to be able to do that late in the game, too. I mean, there were several moments. And we did get the ball in, you know, to our credit. But um, that is that is an important point of emphasis. Yeah, I remember we struggled with that back in the day under, like, Lewis Preston. And we always used to just long ball it past, like, half court to, uh, you know, get it inbound. So, um, but, yeah, we had, uh, you know, Demond Robinson shot clock turnaround was just – that was a wow moment, guys. That was That was incredible. I want to go back to just the inbounding real quick. I want to ask J-Mac as the coach in the room to, to me as just a casual fan who watches a lot of basketball, that has always been one of the clearer signs of an undisciplined, poorly coached team when they just struggle to get the ball in. Is that, is that an accurate thing to say? Uh, well, for, let me clarify, because I messed up on one of John's questions last week. Uh, you talking about the baseline uh, inbound Yes. Like underneath their own goal. Yes. Yeah, like so. There's. It looked like Ju was zoning it, and but they were putting one man on the inbounder, and then they were zoning the rest. And if uh, if you don't have like good, zone, you got to have zone plays because most most teams stay in their man on baseline plays, and if you don't have zone sets, your man plays won't work against a zone. So, uh, uh, some coaches have zone and man, or some coaches have plays that work against both. So it just depends, man. And uh, yeah, they got they got kind of caught uh, just being. And Ju was just being real physical too, though. Mm. But at the end of the day, them dudes got to get open. Right. And I'm not saying that, you know, um, it, it, it was like a moment of poor coaching. You know, there are instances where that's going to happen, you know, to everybody. Um, that's just something that's always stood out to me is like, you know, teams not being ready for those types of situations. I don't know. And John brought up Lewis Preston, you know, I was like, you know, that that makes sense. That would be a, a Lewis Preston struggle to have. <laughs> Oh, fun times, fun times, guys. Uh, but, I, you know, there's something else that I just wanted to, uh, you know, perhaps ask J-Mac from a coaching point of view. Um, and it's something that really, you know, got me thinking. It seems like, and, you, you know, feel free to correct me and call me on my bullshit if I'm wrong. But just in general, kind of what we do on both ends is just, it's like, all right, here's, we're Kennesaw State basketball. This is what we do on offense. 
this is what we do on on defense. We run, run, run fast, and then we throw a man defense at you. There's not much, you know, like Amir perhaps or Coach Blue. There's not much mixing it up. When we did go into a zone, it was kind of lazy and sloppy. You know, is this something? We'll talk about that. But is this something that we have to do more of to, you know, compete long term in the conference tournament? Throw different looks at people. Otherwise, you know we'll be playing most of these teams three, you know, that'll be the third time they see us and we need to have some surprises, right? It's not at all. Otherwise it'll just be, okay, here's how you beat Kennesaw. We just got to, you know, do this and do that. Well, th- that is, that is one thing that is concerning for sure is the defensive field goal percentage in both of these road games. Um, you know, at the home stretch, they were better defensively. The These past two games on the road, the field goal percentages were way too high. Um, they did play zone at JU, I think, believe like two or three possessions in the second half. Um, but yeah, they they did. But that's the thing when you play so fast, and they say it's con- you got to be willing to live with the other team making shots too. Because it, I, I've heard coaches talk about before, like you can't play really really fast on offense and then expect your defense to be like Rick Pitino style, full court, 94 feet, and you're slowing down the game. It's It's got to be one style and, and that's your style and you got to live with it. And, and as, if they're making shots, you're still just pushing your pace and hopefully your identity is going to take over and win at the end. You got to stick with your identity. And I think that's what Petway's going for. Um, and it's something, but they're definitely going to have to address the, the field goal percentage because that, that is definitely alarming. You don't, you, you you're not going to be able to sustain uh, a championship level of basketball with you know teams shooting over 50 percent from the floor or around is, would uh, kennesaw state adopting more zone would that have any type of you know effect on you know obviously the offense like you know we want to play a you know a fast pace overall would that kind of contradict what we're trying to do if we played a lot of zone in my opinion yes it's going to slow down the game more and that's not what coach petway wants he wants he wants a man he wants a run and gun and that's that's just me judging from the outside looking at it on TV. And we've had a lot of fouls too, though. Um, and I think that's why he went into the zone. We had three of our top players with what three fouls? It was like Holt, Robinson, and uh Burden. And then we had Cottle with two. And I think that's kind of when he went into the zone. Uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just of the nature that, you know, I like to throw some throw some wrenches in, you know, every now and then, you know what I mean? A full court press, you know, it doesn't have to be often just something to surprise them, get an easy bucket. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good idea. Coming out of a media timeout, throwing like a one, two, two at them, just like make them work it up the work it up the, uh, the floor. And like, by the time they cross half court, you only have, you only have 18 seconds to work with instead of 30, but, uh, you know, um, they're learning, they're learning. I know they're, I know they're going to be watching film, making adjustments. And, uh, at the same time, like Petway's going to make sure they're going to peak at the right time, you know? Yeah. And, you know, if we're going to stick with the man and I'm fine with that, we just have to be good at what we do. You know what I mean? Like mm. if, if we're, if we're just running man and, you know, we're not good at it, well, you know, we don't really have a zone to, you know, fall back on. Well, it, it doesn't hurt to have packages. Um, and, you know, you want to be able to give teams other looks. Um, but like J-Max said, um, I think it's part of our identity to just be this offensive fun and gun, run and gun, whatever you want to call it type of team. Um, and John, you mentioned, like, is there a way that teams can just scheme it up to, you know, this is how you beat Kennesaw. And to be honest, I don't know with this style of play um, when it's just if we outrun everybody and we shoot the ball really well, I don't know that there's a scheme that just stops that. 
You know, I, yeah. I think we're we're really stripping it down to just bare bones, almost like pickup style basketball. Obviously, it's you know miles ahead of that, but you know what I'm saying. Um, just get to the hoop and score, take the best looks you can. And if we do that well, I don't think there's a scheme um, that can stop us. I think uh, we control our own destiny almost every night, if that makes sense. And in the conference tournament, though, you got to win, what, three straight games with minimal rest. Um, and, you know, we rely a lot on, you know, we don't, I guess Adam Akoya and Kyle are probably our most pure shooters, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're relying a lot on, you know, guys like Colt and King to hit some shots. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to, you know, I, I just feel like we got to get some work, some high percentage shots, uh, you know, in there a little bit more and work more inside out than just keep, you know, chuck, 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 chuck. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know how, you know, I don't know how many games in the days in the tournament, but usually they don't, they run those pretty close together. Kai. Most, most conferences do. I believe the a sun takes one or two day gaps. Okay. That's what so it was the last A-Sun, late a sun last year. I believe what they did was they actually started it. It was for sure, at least two day gaps, but I thought that they split it up against again, two weeks. So it was like a Thursday game and then a Saturday game and then a Thursday game and then a Saturday game. And they waited did did, well, I, was, cause they, they did the tournament a lot earlier than most conferences do. Like, cause a lot of conferences really push those out cause they have longer in conference schedules. Right. So that's we also our, something to think about. We had our championship. I want to say like before, like the ACC and SEC tournaments even got underway where it was like yeah. the first couple of days. Um, yeah, I just want to know how many days between games is the is the key um, right yeah. there. Because You know, if we're playing like, you know, the first two, like I remember at least a couple of years ago, maybe it was because of the pandemic. All these years are running together. But, mm-hmm. you know, we played two games in a row, maybe a day off and then the finals or something like that. Well, so the play in game plays the next day. So like when Queens beat Florida Gulf Coast in Kennesaw, then they played KSU the next night. So Got that might have been the case. I'm sure that we've been in a couple of playing games in the past, um, just hovering around the nine or ten seed. But yeah. Um, yeah, point being, so I have the bracket up. Uh, we, if we were a one, two, if we were anything higher than a uh, seven seed, which we should be, we would start play on the fifth, and then it would be fifth, seventh, tenth. Okay, that's that's doable. That's 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 good. Um, so we should still have our legs, you know, somewhat. I mean, we've done three and three, you know, days before, but you know, it's the end of the season. Obviously, it's a little bit more than we're perhaps used going to be used to at that time, but you know, right. nothing out of the ordinary. Right. It's also important to remember that, you know, being the regular season conference champion means a lot more in the A-Sun than it does like almost any other conference. Cause I think we're maybe the only, there might be one other conference out there um, that still has a host team for the tournament. Um, and I think like our guys being able to sleep in their own beds um, the whole week of the conference tournament last year made a huge difference. And I don't think, you know, I don't think we win the conference tournament if Liberty's hosting. Um, that's that, just is a, that is a huge advantage, 100%. Staying in your own routine, man, no doubt. And it yeah, really man. also was crucial to building up Kennesaw to what it is now, mm. if you really think about it, because if that game was somewhere else, KSU fans were not traveling to go to that game. Yeah. If that conference was held up in Nashville, like you're probably getting the diehards to go up there. So you're talking maybe – uh, maybe you're getting to a thousand or so and maybe more depending on who lives in that area. Mm-hmm. But we were packing out the convocation center with mostly KSU fans. Some people who were new to KSU basketball last year. Mm-hmm. So like, they, yeah. it, it, uh, that's why the biggest reason I'm sad about that. We're leaving the ACE on, I should say, mm-hmm. but 
I'm excited for the tournament for that reason. Yeah, and, and the home the home away uh, split last year really helped us out. I mean, just playing Liberty at home during the regular season, we only played them once. I mean, if, if that the schedule gods didn't have that, I mean, the, the season could have gone a completely different direction. And that's just going into like, you know, all sorts of alternate universes now. But, you know, the schedule gods did shine on us last year and they brought the game back to the Convocation Center as well. So it played out. I mean, it looks like that might be the case this year, um, not to get ahead of ourselves, but, you know, EKU uh, it comes to the Convocation Center and then North Florida, who's got the tiebreaker on us at the moment, also comes to the Convocation Center. So um, two big home games. Another big note is that we just finished the first round of a Sun Conference play against the five teams that are on our side of the conference. So now our next six games will be against the Western part of the conference, and then we'll come back and play those five. I don't know if anyone realized that. I didn't even know we had a conference broken down like that. They did that. I don't think they do it officially, but they do it for scheduling purposes. So you play the teams that are closer to you twice in the season and the teams that are further away, geographically speaking, one time. There's definitely some like really smart, well done organization to the ASUN scheduling. And I'm glad you appreciate it. Like the whole like, okay, you know, when we play UNF in Jacksonville, we're going to do that in the same weekend type of thing. And then, you know, vice versa. So. And I also want to kind of point out, this is a little bit off topic, but, and I, and I mentioned it briefly on Twitter, but, you know, we played Jacksonville and UNF is the only, you know, road trip where we basically stay in the same city. They're both in Jacksonville. So, you know, if a guy like Terrell Burden, you know, is sick and has the flu, we got the same, I'm sure we had the same hotel, you know, for those three nights, he just goes back gets that extra rest instead of having to, you know, put his stuff in the bus and drive another, you know, three, four, five hours to the next destination. I mean, that might've been huge for the recovery on Saturday. So that's something that we possibly, you know, can't overlook. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair point. Um, but you know, you're, like you said, you're just not going to get that, um, on almost any other road trip, unless you're playing like the UCLA USC, which, you know, is not something we're doing. Exactly. Yeah, that I don't think there's any other teams that are in the same city in conference. And that's the advantage of the whole Jacksonville, North Florida thing. And also, I think one of their girls games, I think it was Jacksonville, North Florida this past weekend. It got, you know, I guess COVID or some stupid stuff. It got had to get rescheduled. Well, how easy is that to reschedule? Right. So Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer membership and daily fee play. Their championship course is challenging for all levels of golfers and is frequently used for practice by some golf teams from a local university. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw. Be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. John, I know Aaron, who couldn't join us tonight, um, had some points he wanted to make. You want to read those off for us? Yeah. Um, Aaron Anderson, he was feeling a little bit under the weather. I asked him to send me some notes, and, you know, he sent me some on the primarily on the JU game. So I'll kind of read them off one by one. If anybody has any comments, you know, uh, feel free to, uh, you know, raise your hand or whatnot, and we'll go to you. Um, so that way I'll stop reading. Um, so, we, Aaron says, we easily could have gone 0-2 on this trip uh, the way we played at JU. Um, you know, I think we probably could agree on that. Um, or if we played better in both games, we could have gone 2-0. And that's just, you know, the A-Sun. Uh, number two, 
Uh, demand can handle more on his shoulders in post or as a decision maker. Needs to be looked at in the post more frequently. And I think J Mac, you were you know you were talking about that earlier, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, he can he can be forgotten and only get his touches by like the guards making the play. Like man, we dump it down to him, man. Let him let him work. Yeah, I said, uh, Aaron said, nice to see a little of what it looks like with RJ controlling the ball more with uh, TB out. And we kind of mentioned that, um, you know, it's great to have a, I guess, a third ball handler, so to speak. And, you know, just this year or just a luxury to have in his development. You know, he's not forced into anything. He can kind of sit back and learn and he can be that third guy or if there's foul trouble or an injury, he can come on in. And, you know, I think he's doing tremendous. And, you know, um, I, I can't ask for anything more. I think every time the announcers see him, they're impressed. Um, they're like, wow, this guy is just a bowling ball. Um, and I, you know, we mentioned this earlier, but, you know, once he gets his body right, I think if he, you know, develops his three-point shot a little bit, the game slows down for him. I mean, this is the guy that's going to take that Simeon Cottle jump next year. Do you guys agree with that? In a, in a perfect world, yeah. Um, you know, Simeon Cottle has made such an incredible jump from year one to year two that I almost don't know if that should be expected from Johnson. Um, obviously, with like the the pedigree he came in um, with as a recruit, you would hope he would get to that at some point. Um, what I'm excited about is how he's taken on the Simeon Cottle type role from last year um, to where, you know, he's a freshman, but he plays a valuable role to the team. And like J-Mac said earlier, um, you know, you can throw him in for 10 minutes a game um, give Burden rest, give Cottle rest, um, and he'll do just fine. You know, um, it's not his team right now. He doesn't have the keys and he's not going to drop 30, you know, on any given night, but like uh, he he's formidable. Um, and that's really, really good to have because it's just more depth, you know, freshman or yeah. not. And, you know, getting his body right is not just going to be about, you know, playing more minutes like, like it is, you know, some with demand, um, getting his body right. He's going to be quicker. Um, if he, if he dedicates himself in the off season, he's going to be beating people off the dribble and when he goes in the lane and you see how he rises right now with his body, the way it is, imagine if he, you know, trims that down and gets into elite shape, my God, we're looking at a possibly, you know, elite guard in the, you know, even in conference USA. 100%. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what he was branded as coming out of high school. Uh, I mean, he was, you know, going to be an Alabama guy. He was going to go play in the sec. You know, he's got that level of talent to him um, and, you know, he's young, so it's going to take some time. But like I'm saying is like, we talk a lot about what he's going to be and what he could be, but, um, you know, he's a player on this team right now and he's an important contributor um, and he's doing a really, really good job as that sixth, seventh man um, first guard off the bench so far. Yeah. And we've had this conversation before Kai, but without J Mac. So I kind of want to see what he thinks. You know, I think we talked about it and I was like, I kind of see RJ as the point guard going forward. And, you know, Cottle was more of that too, like he is now. Whereas I think you, you said, it, I believe you said it was more of the opposite. You see him more as the, you know, RJ is the two and Cottle with the one going forward. I, I've probably, I might've said that. Um, I think I did. Uh, if that's the case, I'll take that back a little bit. Um, I don't want to see either commit to the one or the two. I think they both bring different things in offensive sets. I think Cottle is a little smoother still. And that doesn't mean Johnson, you know, still couldn't come along, but also Cottle's a sophomore. Cottle is 19 years old. He's only going to get better too, hopefully, you know, um, he's still really young. Um, but yeah, uh, I like, they do different things well, 
Um, and I don't want to box either of them in. That's what. Oh I'm no, saying. not box either of them in. But we, I think we kind of want to, you know, give them more of a defined role. And you know, somebody's obviously going to have to, you know, be, you know, one A, and somebody's going to have to be one B when some so and so is not on the floor. Somebody's got to step up and you know handle right. the ball and so forth. So they're going to get to do both. When Terrell leaves, when Terrell leaves, uh, RJ has the much more. I'm a natural point play. Like he's got great. I, I was watching him real hard, man. He has a great pace, and his body is going to give when he gets that body right. But he already has the frame to give a lot of A Sun defenders a lot of trouble, man. He changes speeds really well. He's got a good feel for the game, and like uh, Pet, Pet's playing positionless basketball too. Obviously, in a traditional sense, Cottle is a two. He, he's he's real. He get he hunts shots. He's looking to score, but he I. And I'm I'm being real critical because I'm a huge Cottle. I love Simeon Cottle. Um, he definitely needs. He, I would like to see him spread it around just a little more. We know he can score it. Um, he had two assists each game, and I think uh, I mean he may have had more because sometimes on the road they don't count your assists the proper way. Um, I, I, I definitely know that for a fact. But uh, I would like to see him spray it around a little more. Um, but Simeon is definitely going to be much more like just he's going to be trying to score and RJ is going to be the more of that traditional role, but dual, dual point guards is what you're going for in a system like Petways duels. And they can play together just fine. And, you know, Cottle can guard the opposing one and RJ can guard the opposing two as well, no matter how they line up, you know, for mm -hmm. us. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And Cottle's really improved as a perimeter defender this year too. Um, that's been like a, a standout um, yeah. noticeable thing. Um, but like we talked about this on the midweek, like what, what can Cottle improve on? Like what's the next step for his game going forward? Um, and we talked about, you know, him getting better at, uh, distributing, like exactly like you said, like he, I think he's sitting around like three assists per game or something like that. You know, I want to, I, he's definitely got the potential. I mean, he's, his game is so smooth. His vision is so good. You know, we've got good shooters all around him. Like it'll come, um, it'll come. And I think Burden not being on the court next year will maybe free that up a little bit for him. He'll get more touches and, you know, feel, I guess, feel more confident in, in uh, you know, spreading it around a little bit more. And he'll have to, you know, he's going to, yeah, yeah uh, whether Johnson's on the floor or not, you know, there's no replacing Terrell Burden. Um, and Terrell Burden is, you know, the best distributing player we've ever seen at Kennesaw State. Um, so, yeah, you got to find a way to make up that production. Absolutely. I believe the all-time total assist leader. Uh, so, you know, that's what we have um, Back to back to Aaron Anderson's uh, 10 points that he sent me. Uh, he said, number four, cannot jog offensively in transition. We are just jogging up the floor. If we want to be a fast paced offense, everybody needs to be fast paced, not just the ball handler. The wings need to sprint to corners. Bigs need to focus on getting uh, position or screen setting. Um, yeah. Um, J Mac, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, man, you can't, you can't, can't have it both ways where you want to play fast and you got dudes just jogging up the court. Uh, th that comes from cardio too. You got to be in elite shape, man. Uh, it, it is not easy to run the floor. Like defensive transition, you're all obviously got to sprint back, but offensively too, sprinting, that takes a lot of cardio. You got to be in great shape. Uh, they got to make sure they're having quality practice in between weeks to stay in shape. It's easy, especially if you're on a college diet. I know some of them guys are probably still not eating the best. So you got to be conscious of your diet, nutrition. Uh, it, it's imperative, like during the week, they're taking care of their bodies to play that the type of style that they're playing, and uh, it, that that'll show in games. If they're jogging, it may be because they're not they aren't taking care of their bodies properly. You know, they're eating chips and stuff, and you know, soda, or whatever, when they need to be, you know, consuming water and not those heavy carbs. 
Right. It feels like a hard thing to criticize because like, that's a, that's a tough thing to do um, to just, you know, run up and down the court for 35 minutes a game. Like, like we can't even fathom that. Like I, I would die. Um, but that being said, like, I, I'm surprised we haven't talked about this a little more. It seems like there are possessions where guys kind of take it off offensively. It's like, okay, we got the ball out to coddle, you know, on the fast break and Adam McCoy is down there in the corner. I'm going to jog up to the half court line and just hope they get a finish at the rim. And then I'll be back on defense. That's what it feels like sometimes. And in a perfect world that wouldn't happen, but it makes sense why it does. And, you know, I kind of want to, um, you know, talk a little bit about, um, you know, practice and all that kind of stuff, J-Mac, um, you know, as somebody who's not, you know, really privy to the practice schedule and all that, how do you balance, you know, getting these guys in shape to, you know, sprint and, and run the way that we do versus keeping their legs fresh throughout the entire season? It kind of sounds, you know, counter, uh, you know, counter something. I can't think of the word. It, it's uh... counterintuitive. It's, it, it is a delicate balance for sure. Uh, right now, what Petway's, especially with some of his guys maybe, especially we know TB was under the weather, especially maybe if some others, now he's getting in the, he's getting in the part of the season where do we go non-contact a lot? So we make, we're making sure our best players don't get hurt, but then they can get out of a rhythm because they're not, they're not have, having contact in practice. Uh, and then we're, we, then we got to do condi- like traditional conditioning without the ball, you know, to keep them in shape. Uh, or like, see, I don't like, I think sometimes that's coaching in fear. And I actually got, I'm actually guilty of doing that. Like two weeks ago, I started doing non-contact because our best player was hurt, but then we come out of the games and we look like crap. We're playing flat and we look like we haven't played in a while. I'm like, screw that. I'm not coaching out of fear anymore. We're going, we're going to get after it in practice. Still. I'll make sure, you know, day before two days out, we're, we're preserving their legs and we're conscious of that, but yes, yeah, a balance, man. But that's what he has a staff for to like, make sure he's thinking of that and being cognizant of that while he's practice planning. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So like, so as a coach, I'll just add to this. Um, it, what is like the ideal basketball workout? Like what, what type of exercise do y'all emphasize? Is it like a cardio thing? And does that change from team to team, depending on how you play? Well, the games are coming so fast now. Uh, I'm sure they're doing a lot of, stuff with the training staff like making sure they're doing like mobility stuff like making sure their hip flexors are staying loose and and not getting locked up and they're not they're not lifting heavy they they definitely need to be lifting and keeping their body strong but like they're really focusing on their joints and plyometrics and stuff like that uh like their ankles and and their knees and stuff and i'm sure they're definitely focused on that but um yeah it's uh it's definitely like you're gonna see it you're gonna see it come up at the end of the season like because they play such a fast pace and with so many with when you having to win so many games and conferences in such a short time span, those guys are it's why it's why it's so important they're too deep at every position and they're gonna be able to rely on that depth. He's got to keep riding that depth too, because he's gonna need it in the postseason. Yeah. And you know, sometimes if we were up big or, you know, if um, you know, it's just a game we don't have it or get blown out, you know, we'll give somebody else some minutes, let some of the younger guys play, you know, but um you know, we just need to uh, we need to compete every game if we're going to win the conference again and get that home court advantage. It's going to it's going to be tough. It's a like you said, it's a line that we have to, you know, we have to balance on that line and we can't really go cross go past it because, you know, if you ask me, you know, I run a mile, shoot, my legs could be dead for like another week. I'll I'll sprain it, you know, pull a hamstring without even thinking twice, you know, 
And these guys, you know, we think of them, you know, we don't really think of them as the, you know, the student athletes behind the player. You know what I mean? We think of them as like, all right, you know, let's just, just go play, you know, enter, maybe entertain us. But like these guys have to stay in shape. They have stuff going on in their lives, all of that kind of stuff. We don't know what's going on. You know, we don't know if, you know, Robinson was going through something against, you know, North Florida the other night. Maybe that's why he didn't play well. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, these guys need to stay ready. Um, one, one thing going back to like the conditioning and like making sure your, your players' legs are the most fresh, especially the first day. So Kennesaw plays their first conference game of the week on a Thursday. Me and my experience, now I'm not an exercise science doctor or anything, PhD or whatever, but in my experience as a coach, my players play best when we have a heavy cardio day on Monday, like three days out. We have a heavy cardio day of basketball, a lot of full court drills, whatever, we focus on half court. We focus on the things we need to tighten up, but you're really focusing on making sure they're getting their cardio through full court stuff. And then like Tuesday, you dial it back about halfway. And then Wednesday is very light on their legs. You know, you're getting stuff and you're really focusing on the half court stuff. And so Thursday they're ready to rock out and their legs are feeling really fresh. Yeah. And we trust the coaches, you know, to know what they're doing. We're just kind of get J-Mac giving it from, you know, so some people like us that aren't, you know, there every day and haven't played D1 ball kind of knows what goes into it. Yeah. All right. So uh, Aaron's fifth point on the zone that we played for those possessions said we were too slow and lackadaisical. We need to be almost proactive with our movement, anticipate we were slow and reactive, uh, like a half a step too late makes all the difference. Uh, we need urgency with our wings in the zone, set the tone and make the offense uncomfortable. I think we discussed that a little bit earlier, J-Mac. Um, but would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, it just goes back. You can was it they weren't near as disruptive as they were as the during the home the home conference games they had. And sometimes that's how it is on the road, man. The 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 home team is much more comfortable at home. The ball may be zipping a little quicker. They may be making quicker decisions because they see the floor and their their comfort in their comfort zone. They're comfortable in their comfort zone, and uh, which you know they're on the road so they're reacting just a little slower than what they normally would when, when they don't have their fan base behind them and, and the energy and the momentum and the adrenaline going so uh yeah they definitely got they definitely got a fight they definitely got a fight obviously and that, and that's obvious but uh you know at the end of the day Kennesaw got the stops they needed to to win the game I, I, and I know JU kind of blew it two two very close looks in a row yeah. but the ball didn't go in at the end of the day and, and KSU made the plays so yeah, it counts the same, just like the ECU hitting that shot, you know, from half court counts just the same. You know, they blew it. You know, sometimes teams make plays, sometimes they don't. It is what it is. Um, Aaron, six point, uh, getting a little bit hot take this year. So get ready for this one. Um, need more from Jason. He is not he was not a difference maker out there. He's just floating around offensively and defensively. Um, I did notice, you know, I think uh, I talked about it with Kai a little bit. You know, he was over, you know, committing some, you know. But what do you think, J-Mac? Uh, yeah, man. So when Holt was a senior at St. Francis here in Atlanta, man, I was like, dude, this dude is an amp. Like, there's no way he's not going to go to Bama like, and be successful. I just love this motor. I love his skill set. I have, you know, and I'm, I'm being real critical. I still like what he does, but I, I I was definitely when I started watching uh, last week and I started watching really hard. I was expecting more. Um, I would like to see him uh, be a little more aggressive, but you know he he's got he's got to pick it up for sure, man. Uh, they they need big things. He now he does play hard. He plays with a great motor. He's always locked in defensively. 
He's he's very active, but I was expecting a little more, especially offensively from him, from what I saw his senior year in high school. So, uh, but you got to remember he he wasn't getting much playing time at Alabama or Georgia. So, like he's still getting back in the swing of things himself. Yeah. He missed half a season um, for this year with you know not being eligible and all that kind of stuff right. as well. Oh, I was just gonna say it's uh, it's interesting because our biggest concern when he signed was like his shot because you know UGA and Bama he shot um 29 and 20 percent from deep um and we're like okay if he can really refine that um and put that together he's going to be a really really good player uh he's almost doubled his three-point percentage he's uh he's up to 46 percent um for this year he's shooting the ball really really well um but there are times where it looks like he kind of just floats around there and doesn't really add much and i don't know if he doesn't know where to go or what and then he's he's got some really ugly turnovers like we there it's it seems like it happens once or twice a game where he'll just drop the ball out of bounds you know um, and he does it more than anybody else on the team. Um, but like you said, he had a whole season off. You know, he's still kind of getting warm. Um, he's a step behind these guys in terms of chemistry and just comfortability in this play system. Um, so that is that is worth taking into account. Yeah. And there was a sequence, I think, yesterday or on uh, Saturday where he was just I don't know if you guys remember. He was just over dribbling. It was like right at the three point line. They eventually it was a foul, but like he just kept trying to dribble his way like by people. And, you know, he's going to be fine. I like what he brings. He's long, but, you know, sometimes he's just a little bit over aggressive on, you know, committing a foul or whatnot. He needs to, you know, just get back, get into things. But, yeah, his shooting has been has been tremendous. And I can see the potential. Absolutely. I say this with a ton of respect for Quincy Adam McCoy. Holt needs to be Quincy Adam McCoy with a higher ceiling. Yeah. play that type of role on this team and, yeah. and let me be clear too i love Holt, and like i've always loved Holt. i love i love how hard he plays the game um and we got to remember we're being critical of him but and, and that's fine that we everything isn't going to be peaches and rainbows and it shouldn't be about we, we should be able to break it down and talk about the good and the bad but uh like we got to remember too that he is coming into a team that was already good and he he's finding his way and, that, and that's this is the normal part of the process for him he's going to be he's going to be completely fine I agree. And, you know, again, we're, you know, that's why we're not on KSU's payroll. You know, we don't work for KSUowls.com. We're not in the athletics department. So we can say stuff like this, but at the same time, we love our guys and, you know, we want what's best for them. And, you know, I, I think, you know, people can take a look, people need to be able to take a, just a little tiny bit of, you know, con- con- criticism. it's not really criticism. It's construct, you know, con- trying to be constructive. You know, we're not, we don't like to, you know, dump on anybody unnecessarily or anything like that. But, you know, maybe he knows these things and he's working on it. And I think Jason is going to be just great out there, um, especially next year once he has a whole, you know, offseason under his belt and playing for Petway. Yeah. And uh, like you said, we're by no means like piling on him or anything. But there are, you know, there are things that deserve to be mentioned. Um, and that's fair. And that's just sports. That's just basketball. Um, but what we need to remember and what we need the listeners to remember is we're in a very good situation right now. You know, we have 13 wins uh, and we're four and one in conference. Um, we are, what, two wins away from officially clinching the second best season in Kennesaw State Division One basketball history. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so, you know, when we complain and criticize, we're really just refining things like this is a really good basketball team with a really high ceiling. And we want, you know, the absolute best, you know, for what this team could be. And there are going to be little nuances and little things, you know, nobody's perfect. And it, you know, we're going to, we're going to call them out. Just like they're trying to play a perfect game, which they know is unattainable. We want to watch a, we want to watch the team we love play a perfect game, which we know is unattainable. And it's, it's, it's fine. It's all good. 
Exactly. It's, it's not like Petway goes in after every game and says, hey, you know, you guys did awesome. You did great. Everybody. No, he'll say like, all right, you did good in these parts. And, you know, here's what you need to work on. Check this out. And, you know, that's kind of, you know, we want to kind of talk about some of those things as well. And then next week, once we see like, oh, wow, Jason's doing this better, then we'll give him his flowers. And, you know, anybody we talk about. I hope Aaron doesn't listen back to this and was like, <laughs> what the hell, guys? Why are you throwing me under the bus? Because he can't speak for himself. But yeah. No, that, I think that was one of the most surprising parts. Uh, you briefly mentioned it, John. When I first like met Coach Petway and like how like like nice and comforting he is just to talk with initially, but then like watching him coach, it's like completely different. Like he is like driving the game and it's just a different person altogether. But you know that he can do that because on the backside he's doing like those those right things with the players. So I, I it's it would, I just thought that was really interesting when you mentioned that. <laughs> Yeah, we like we love these guys. At the end of the day, we you know we have their backs, um, you know. But uh, you know, this is kind of what we do: talk about uh, talk about basketball and you know Division One. You know what I mean? It's not like high school or kids or anything like that. Um, you know these. I mean, Jason was just playing at Georgia and Alabama. I mean, come on. You know he's probably used to you know people you know just talking about the game. I mean, Kennesaw State is you know we're still not used to um people like us actually talking about ksu like it's you know big time you know what i mean spending an hour an hour and a half breaking stuff down whereas these other schools like alabama and uga the, their fan bases do it in their sleep these dudes these players are lucky you guys are taking this time money and investing in them they are fortunate that can't get any more clear than that Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Moving on to the next topic, um, you know, going on a different uh, path here. Aaron says, Ranji did what he does best. Hell of a second half cleaning up the mess. We wouldn't have won without him. And I don't think anybody here can disagree. No, no. But um, we're getting a, a mix of good Ranji, bad Ranji. You know, we don't we don't know what we're going to get night in, night out. Um, and that scares me a little bit. Um, I would rather him be a consistent six and six type guy than go oh and five one night and then go, you know, four or five the next. Um, but you well, know, he, great game. He, you know, deserves all the flowers in the world. You know, uh, like Aaron said, we don't win that game without Ranji. Um, yeah. But he's been probably the most in un inconsistent team or an inconsistent player on this roster so far Sorry. i think my i think my grandmother said uh was it life is like a box of ranjis you never know what you're gonna get uh something, something like, like that. Like that. Something, something like that, that. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully he can build on that um player of the game uh for uh ju actually you know what let's go back to that one at the end um let's skip ahead to aaron's ninth point rebounding needs to be a focus we are weak on the boards a little bit weak defensively um, they drove by us, you know, whenever they wanted. And that was kind of, you know, I, it was even worse, I think, against North Florida. Um, I felt Jacksonville had a lot more, you know, had some more athletes in them. And they definitely had some more size, which is, I think, the the only logic I could think of why Cole LaRue uh, made an appearance. Mm. Um, do you kind yeah. of agree with, I, I mean, I can't really disagree. I think the rebounding was about even for the JU game. Uh, but we definitely need to, you know, better team effort there. What do you guys think? Yeah, you mentioned LaRue. He would have been a nightmare against North Florida. But, you know, they were they were more skilled. And like you said, Jacksonville was tougher and more athletic. Yeah, that that uh, what's his name? Donovan Rivers guy. Oh, my God. That was a that's an athletic kid right there. Mm -hmm. 
Um, game I mean, I feel like that's kind of how you end up at a school like Jacksonville. You know, you've got all the tools, but you just don't have the skills put together or there's just, there's something missing, you know? It seems like Jacksonville always has like athletic kids that, you know, just I can't put it together. I mean, been just tough and rugged and athletic. Uh, they were really, really good. They won the regular season a couple of times when uh, I was playing and they didn't win the po- the postseason tournament, but they were, they were really good. And they've got a four appearance in 1970. I love that fact. They absolutely do. Artis Gilmore played there. He still does the radio. I think he was doing it yesterday. But um, I want to throw another name out to uh, Jay Mack. He might uh, remember. I hope I'm saying this right uh, from back in the day. Do you remember Mr. Uh, Aaron Hardy? Yeah, defensive player of the year. He was a freshman. I believe my he was an under, underclassman when I was an upperclassman. Stud. Absolutely. One of the toughest, uh, toughest players to come out of the A-Sun. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you'll agree that. Yeah. All right. Um, and um, so we need to, Aaron says, we need to start playing as if we are preparing for March. Uh, we aren't playing as if we are competing for a championship in my eyes, not the JU game at least. So he's, he's on a hot take roll right here. Um, you know, anybody want to comment on that one? I think what it's going to take, um, for us to start really picking it up and getting to that level is like a big time home win um, that like wins a tiebreaker for us in conference or something, you know, I don't know how, how amped up we're going to get um, at any point of the season, especially in January um, on the road at Jacksonville um, at three on a Saturday. You know, I think it's, I think once we, you know, beat a Lipscomb or an EKU at home, I don't think we play Lipscomb at home. Um, but like an EKU at home or something, then, you know, you're going to get guys really start to buy in. You're going to have fans come, um, you know, the place is going to be full um, and the energy is just going to be better. And that's just progression of a season. Is it really about getting amped up though? Like with how we play on offense and the personnel we have, you know, sometimes we're going to shoot it really well and I, you know, two out of three games, we're not. I should rephrase. It's more just about peaking as a team. You know, it, basketball is about getting hot and streaky um, and it's not, necessarily the best team every regular season that makes the best run in the tournament it's the hottest team um and we happen to be both of those last year um so i think we we just need like a big momentum building energy win to really start to see this team peaking sorry kai i would counter what you said about the a big home i would actually counter kennesaw needs a, a defensive dominant performance on the road at, at a good at a good school and because that was the that's the big concern for me after the road was the defensive field goal percentage from UNF and Jacksonville. That's that's alarming. And if they could get a huge but if they could get a huge dominant defensive performance on the road and the win, obviously, that would be huge. But it, it, yeah, they're in they're still in midseason, to, you know, as far as uh, calendar wise, man. And uh, I thought Aaron's uh, take you're talking about hot takes. I thought he was talking about Sandy Creek for a second there. My team. I mean, I'm like, dude, man, like, are, are we going to play like we're supposed to? Uh, what are we? Come on, man. This past weekend, I lost four years off my life. Um, and uh, so they're going through some midseason stuff and they're going to peak at the right time. Yeah, that's fair. And like you said, um, last year, you know, we go play Jacksonville State at their place, um, beat them at the buzzer. And the final score was like 50 to 49, just like total defensive slugfest. Um, and after that, I thought we went on the best run um, that we had all season minus the Queens loss. Um, so I think you're absolutely right there. And here's the thing. We don't have a bunch of natural shooters, as we mentioned. Shooting is going to come and go. However, that defensive intensity, that defensive 
effort and effectiveness, that's something that we can bring every night. So while it's not going to be that Stetson game where all of our shots are falling uh, more often than not, we're going to have to win a lot of these grind them out type games because we don't have those, you know, three point shooters. We don't have those wings that can just get them up there, you know, in bunches, perhaps, you know, Cottle and Adam Akoya and so forth. But, you know, I feel like it's going to be a lot more of these grind them out games. Well, I love the uh, the JU win too, though, because they weren't playing their best again. But the thing is, man, you got to be able to win different types of ways. Uh, you you can win one night where you're you're hot offensively. You you need to be able to win when you're not hot offensively. You got to be able to grind it out defensively. Maybe it's a mixture of both. You, but th- that's a good character win. That's a good character win. For Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. And you know those shots tend to fall more often at home than they do on the road. So. Um, and also want to give some props for Terrell Burden, you know, really showing up late in the second half. I guess he I'm sure he was feeling a little bit better than he was on Thursday. Uh, but, you know, the guy, you know, I guess he gave I'm sure he emptied the tank, so to speak, to uh, finish that game strong. Aaron's last point, uh, player of the game. Um, does anybody have any notes or anything to add before we get into player of the game? No, go right ahead. All right. Aaron's player of the game was uh, Simeon Cottle, but what Ranji did was equally as important. So I'll go around the room here. Uh, all three of you guys. I'll start with Kai. Who's your player of the game? Um, yeah, I'm going to be different and I'm going to go with Ranji. Um, Cottle had a great night as you know, he he's done all season, scored 20 points again. Um, but Ranji had, you know, probably the biggest play in the biggest bucket of the night. Um, and it was a, uh, it was it was peak good Ranji. So I'm gonna go with Ranji. All right. Uh, how about you, J Mac? Yeah, the, the obvious answer is Coddle for sure. Um, he he was he was consistent and productive both games on the road. But the player the player of the game was obviously Coddle. But I'm the two people that you know should be in the discussion was Ranji obviously in the second half, but RJ in the first half. It, they I, I believe they eight and ten. That's eighteen points from your backup point guard and your backup center. Coming from those two, that's a huge in a game, a five point game. That's that was huge. That's the difference in the games. The backup, the the bench. The and Andre had you know four boards in eleven minutes too. I I couldn't believe it. I I loved it. I was like, damn, he's going off, dude. It was it was awesome to watch. How about you, Nick? I am Coddle um, as well, but you are uh, not Coddle. You're Nick. I am. You're. That's absolutely right. I am in favor of Simeon Cottle receiving the award player of the game. Is that, is that better semantically for you, John? Much. Thank you. Um, but I, I do, I did want to give a, a tip of the cap to RJ because when Simi got, uh, got took that hard hit and went out for a little while, RJ came in and played valuable minutes at that. That was the tail end of the first half and really kept the, the ship steady. So when Simeon did come back, it was more of a, seamless transition i don't think we again we didn't get up or down five at any point uh until later in that second half right kai or was it at any point at all um yeah we were never up by more than five yeah but like we weren't also never down by more than five right we were down 30 to 24 at one point and that was the largest lead got but yeah it was six exactly it was never more than two possessions but rj was out there on his own without tb or without simi and it was the first time we saw that, and he held his own. So, our, keep keep doing good things, RJ. You're getting there without his training wheels. Um, so I, you know, I'm gonna pick Coddle, of course. 
um, or one half of Cottle. You know, a whole bunch of people couldn't could have gotten this. And I just want to point out that I think the KSU account chose Gordon and Robinson for Robinson's first half and Gordon's second half. Um, I honestly think they just wanted to call them the Montgomery Brothers, which was like like a musical band from back in the day and just use that name. So I think that's why they did it. Yeah, I think they were just waiting to get that one out there. But I was going to say, like, DeMond deserves a mention. He had uh, an efficient 11 and 8. Like, he played well. I'd like to mention somebody else and nominate somebody else. Um, probably, you know, not the top guy or anything like that, but somebody who deserves recognition. Um, in the past, in the last, what, three or four minutes, you had Jamel King get a bucket, a steal. Uh, I think he hit it off of Ju on that out of bounds play when the ball was going out of bounds, so that saved a possession. So you know, I do want to give Jamel King, my former profile photo, uh, a little bit of love. Um, and guys, I think you know, based on the the totality of the two games, my profile picture has to be Simeon Cottle. Do you agree? One hundred percent. With okay. the current trends, with the the trend you've set so far this year, it only makes sense. Yes. And um, I just also want to mention, uh, you know, pointed out by Mr. Carrick Martin and Nick posted this online. Um, we had the what I'm going to call now the Owls victory dance. He posts Nick uh, clipped it off the TV when Cotto was at the line with like 0.6 seconds left or something like that. He uh, did this dance with his hips where he shakes his hips from side to side to side for like five seconds. And uh, it, it was just hilarious. Uh, I don't know if he like does that on purpose or or what but i made a i made a gif of that and put like owls win on his lower back while he's doing that so i think after every win we need to like make a better gif of that somehow and that'll be our owls win gif for every time this year what do you guys think or just be those people on twitter that go to the opposing team's twitter pages and comment those obnoxious um you just lost two memes yeah you just got danced on by simeon coddle <laughs> dude yes this is your homework. this is your homework nick make something a gift <laughs> a, a slight video of something like that and the next time we win we you know i'll get everybody to just you know spam the replies of the other school it'd be hilarious i'll put something together like war chant we'll, we'll I'll, I'll, hit, I'll get in the studio some yes you don't have like, to go to war with the owls while coddles like doing the hip dance just like terrorize some poor twitter intern at like, arkansas who like isn't getting paid a dime like, like there's anything better to do <laughs> in even watch basketball i mean i mean what else are they going to do like go to the clubs in central arkansas like what the hell you get the Ozarks can't be that bad. Ah, I guess so. Probably, probably some drugs there or something. I don't know. But uh, you know, last thing I wanted to uh, mention, um, you know, if you guys missed it, I posted it. Um, <laughs> Demond Robinson and uh, R.J. Johnson they bumped heads with about six minutes and about seven minutes left to go in the game. Um, Demond like spun around and went right into RJ like the three stooges like we we're clunking their heads and I don't I don't know if it was like a, just a coincidence or whatnot but RJ didn't return to the game after that so I hope he's fine and you know I hope we just didn't need him you know with Burden and Cottle being the closers concussion protocol but and Mike, it's, it's probably the latter um you know those aren't minutes he would typically play anyways so yeah I, I'd hate to be the guy that uh you know, ran into Demond Robinson head first. And I'd also hate to be the guy that ran into RJ Johnson head first. So, you know, I can't imagine how they feel. Mm -hmm. All right, man. You got anything else or uh, ready to wrap this one up? 
man, I got so much more. I got so much more. Just wait. No, I have nothing. Um, that's it. Last thing, uh, Damon gives me eerie vibes of Mark Keith with a beard, dude. I don't know if y'all have ever noticed the similarities. Looks, they look very similar. Mark Keith Cummings. Oh, Mark Keith has one of the nicest beards I've ever seen, man. Uh, it's close. They look a lot alike, man. Uh, but no, I'm good, man. You know when when I you know Delaney heard the walk on when they first when I first saw like a picture of him or something like that at like the KSU practice that they posted online. I'll have to find this for you, J Mac. Like before he was even announced on the team in the summer, they were just posting like some you know photographs or whatnot, and I, the guy I didn't recognize was in. I'm like, that guy looks kind of like Mark Keith. What the hell? Who the hell is that? And maybe it was just the angle, but I'm going to uh, see if I can find that picture. Yeah, that COVID year of eligibility is coming back. Absolutely. But yeah, that's all I got. You ready for us to go out on this one, John? Follow us on Twitter at Owl Chat Podcast. We have 265 followers. We're trying to get to 269 by 200. 300. We're trying to get to 300. That works too. (laughs) But yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you, J Mac, again for joining us. Um, We will be back on Thursday for the midweek update. Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millette and at KSU Owl Howl. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at ksuowlhowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!